What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 12th, 2023, and this week's episode, The Lioness Roars Into the Sunset. We'll recap a very fun UFC 289, the bantamweight fight between champion Amanda Nunes and Irene Aldana, the lightweight fight between Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush, and the highlights from the undercard. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Conor McGregor finally got into a fight and it might have stuck him in more trouble again. And we'll finish off the show by previewing this Saturday's upcoming UFC. The middleweight fight between Jared Cannonier and Marvin Vittori. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello Double G. I saw, I'm sorry, I, I like audibly sighed when you said Conor McGregor <laughs> might be in more trouble. <laughs> because... That's ridiculous. But in any case, um, are you watching Tough? I, I have know you're seen busy, tough. man. But... I have seen some Tough, yes. I haven't seen uh, McGregor forever yet, but I do. Okay. I, I have put Tough in the background while I work, yeah. Tough is specifically the scene where he goes down to the basement and gets a haircut. Have you seen that yet? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Didn't it just feel like that awkward, like, you know, 30 minutes you have when your boss comes to the party and nobody wants your boss there. Like, it was just so strange. He was doing that dance where, like, the nervous dance that he does and drinking. I don't know. It seemed very awkward. And um, I was just thinking, is Conor McGregor kind of like a, a dork? Or what's going on? Uh, I'm going to just say right now, it felt very contrived. Yeah. It just it, felt like, oh, Conor, do you mind if he cuts your hair a little bit for TV? And it's like... Right. <sighs> um, I I would love nothing more than to, for there to be more good MMA content on television. I want to make that clear. I will bluntly say I'm underwhelmed with tough. Me too. I feel like we're not getting the beef we thought we were going to get. I felt like they went all in to sell us we're going to get a lot of Connor and Mike. And it feels like we're getting everything but some good heat with Connor and Mike. Yeah. Think and about I'm... how good Connor Uriah Faber was with TJ and Cody and the jabs, even just between Connor and Faber. Oh, it was fantastic. It was amazing. There's nothing, none of that here. And, you know, I remember a few years back, Dana White saying, Oh, we're going to bring back tough or, you know, revamp it. It's going to be so better than ever. It's the same darn thing. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's I think more boring. I, I think that, um, Man, I was listening to my coworker Eddie, and he brought it up. It's like, respectfully, with the reality show stuff, it's like the get to know the fighters. It's like he said, if I really want to get to know the fighters anymore, it's twenty twenty three. Like, post on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll I'll get to know you through there, right? Um, yeah, you know, I think that once upon a time when there was not that much MMA, I think it was a great bridge. With the rise of social media and the fact that there is so much content out there, like you go on YouTube, you could spend the rest of your life watching MMA stuff, interviews, videos, Yeah. freaking Marab, Volk, Izzy, DC, Bisping, Chael. I mean, <laughs> so many of these people, Jack Her- uh, Hermanson, mm-hmm. everyone's got a freaking channel nowadays. Um, and it's like, I don't know that there is this that tough necessarily is still that thing for the fans in today's market. And I think that 
you know, the show's, the response to the show is exactly that, you know, people want this or that, they want a little more heat, they want the big names to get your attention, and, uh, you know, once again, making it very fighter-centric, which I think that was great in the early days, today feels just like too much for fights that may only last like eight seconds, like they did in episode one. Yeah, both times they've been relatively fast. Yeah. And I wish that they would just... I feel like there were some toughs where they would give you two two fights per episode. Like the playoffs, like the oh, semis, okay. they'll do it. Because now you, you don't need to go home for every, with every fighter. Now we're just really cooking, right? Yeah, they, they should really condense the, the series so that they can still give us two fights per episode. Because it's... A lot of filler, man. A lot of filler. Well, that's why case... <laughs> Contender Series is such a big deal because it's like you get five, four or five fights a night. I think sometimes yeah. even six. Um, you know, it's three hours. You get essentially three times the content, you know, uh, and it's it feels like the logical step. And respectfully, while I know a lot of fighters may benefit from the reality show push, if you're a fighter, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in a house for six weeks, make weight three times mm-hmm. and be secluded? Or do you want to stay at home with your family, with your gym and you fight once and you're in more control of the environment? I mean, I understand why maybe some of these more entertaining fighters would tell you, yeah, give me contender series. I'm not interested in doing six, seven weeks of tough. So I, I felt like Contender was the next logical step, but look, once again, you know, UFC and ESPN, they have a deal to bring content, and this is how they're doing it, and I don't know, I guess I feel like, is it a little bit of fatigue, you feel like Conor McGregor today isn't drawing what you thought he would just by being Conor on the show, I don't know, but it is a factor nonetheless. Anyway, we got a pay-per-view to talk about. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. sorry about that. No, it's all good. (laughs) Um, look, obviously UFC 289, Vancouver, Canada, Amanda Nunes, Irena Aldana. Um, I think we expected even at, uh, you know, depending if you picked Amanda, a competitive fight, that was really an all systems go. Um, I wouldn't call it like the Megan Anderson fight for Amanda, but at a certain point, it just really felt like this is a lather, rinse, repeat kind of performance you know Irene um picked her spots she kind of was able to turn her hand over on some shots that I was like oh that was really good like she's she's cooking now and they just came so far few and far in between which I think the broadcast said exactly and um Amanda just out grappled her out struck her kicked her slowed her down 25 minutes of this what were your thoughts Supremely disappointing as someone who who went into this hoping to see Aldana add to the to the lineup of Mexican champions who has seen Irene Aldana, you know, use her boxing so beautifully in the cage and expected at least a fight. To me, this was not a fight. I mean, the scorecards said as much. It was very lopsided. It was just so frustrating round by round. You had that one moment in the first round with the left hook. Never saw anything like that again. Irene Aldana is just frozen in time. You know, just there was some mental block. And she alluded to uncovering the mistakes that were made and being able to fix them. But 
it doesn't seem like there's a lot to uncover there. It just seems like she froze mentally. But, of course, we don't know. She'll have to tell us what really went down. Her corner was a little too sympathetic, I think, at the beginning. Too gentle. Her coach, uh, Gra- Coach Grasso, you know, round three, round four, started saying, you know, come on, we need more round five. Really try to amp her up. But I, I think it, it should have started at the end of round one. Like, what are you doing? You're just standing there. You're letting your leg get kicked. You have to push forward. You know, Ren Aldana ate so many punches of Nunes, it should have proved to her that she could take the heat. And so in that instance, you know, and, and with that realization, there should have been no fear to push forward because she was already eating all the punches anyway and not getting, she wasn't even rocked. So I just, a lot of regret that that fight went the way it did for Ren Aldana. It's, you know, you could say, it had, had Nunes not retired, I would have said it's going to be a long time before she gets a title shot. The, pick, the, the landscape is completely different now with the way the fight ended, but I just just shaking my head, man. It was just all Nunes, the whole five rounds, and and it shouldn't have been that way. Aldana had enough skills to make this a real fight, and so it was just a mental break, and that's that's too bad. Well, I mean, let's give the queen her flowers. <laughs> Amanda, I mean... I think the biggest thing, the biggest compliment you could give is she's going on top. She could beat someone else next month, you know? That's how good she looked. She didn't look like she'd missed a step. She still looked head and shoulders above every other female Bantamweight right now. And I was just like, you know... But we talked about it. I think the media and everyone... I'm not going to lie. I don't know if people knew more than just the general speculation like we had but you know even then they were like amanda like what do you want do you want more is it this is it that and you know like the general i don't know if everyone just felt the same way like we talked about it could it ever get better anymore and i think amanda just called it obviously retires in the cage has a very um i I gotta point this out it felt like the sport didn't want her to retire she couldn't find a cut man to take off the gloves. I, know, I, so I thought funny. it's like, well, you know, that's the sport telling you it's not time, Amanda. Yep. <laughs> I mean, come on. The universe is just, oh, so hilarious. I mean, were you holding your breath when that guy was trying to, when the cut man was trying to cut and like your her hands are moving? No, I wanted it to like, there. I wanted her to like not, I, I, I was hoping they wouldn't find a cut man. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping everyone would lose their scissors so this could go on a little longer. That man had them attached to his pants, so. As he should. That's how yes, they work. But anyway, um, I mean, when you think about the, the run, I mean, Valentina Shevchenko beat her twice, destroyed Ronda Rousey, yeah. stopped Misha. Bloody knocked, pulp Misha Tate, yeah. Yeah, knocked out Holly Holm. Routed Jermaine Durand to me. Uh, routed Raquel Pennington, who's on a five, five, six fight win streak right now. Um, uh, that, that's not even to mention her pre UFC work. You know, beating Julia Budd, who went on to have a good career in Bellator and be, you know, arguably the number two featherweight in the world behind uh, Chris Cyborg. Right. And yeah, let's talk about that one. Destroyed Chris Cyborg. Destroyed her. You know what? Uh, all right. I always say it, so I'm going to call it down the middle. Do I think that fight plays out the exact same way 
if you run it back 10 more times, no. Maybe Amanda wins, maybe Cyborg wins, but I always said that about that fight. It, she caught her early, happened so quick. Sometimes it happens that way. Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor is a similar one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is you go out there, you knock out Cyborg. You are, in many people's eyes, her only loss. Cyborg lost her pro debut. And besides Amanda, she has not lost since. She hasn't looked close to losing pretty much since. Mm-hmm. Seminal victory, to say the least. Two-division champion. Um, kind of rode the coattails of that with the favor of Dana and the UFC. Um, look, uh, say what you will about the featherweight division thing. Her resume at Bantamweight alone is just goat-worthy. And if you say on longevity that, you know, 1A, 1B with Cyborg, okay, but... One thing I would argue is so many of Amanda's moments in recent years. Obviously, Cyborg was the one um, before she had her ascendance. But when you talk about the importance of the Ronda fight, the Misha fight, Uh the Cyborg fight, I think that there was always... We talked about John Jones losing versus Demetrius Johnson losing. It was more world-stopping, those fights. I think Amanda shined had more of those fights where she got to shine than Cyborg did oh, in yeah. the modern era. And in that way, you know, when you talk about the pressure and the spotlight, that's a different level. And so I do give Cyborg, sorry, I do give Amanda that slight edge. Once again, skill-wise, one and two, you could give me one A, one B. I wouldn't fight you too much on it because the longevity is ridiculous for Chris. But Amanda Nunes, I mean... If she was a guy, we would be talking about her with Habib and GSP and Anderson. How could you not? And I think you should be talking about her that way, but I think people focus on the women's goat to give her a number one standing over these, you know, the Jones, Andersons and all that. She's right up there. I mean, when you think about how many big fights she had to shine that way, I mean, it's just incredible. What about you? Yeah, the the caliber, the quality of opponents that she smashed through, those women are still, in 2023, uh, the biggest name, female names in MMA. All the ones you listed, those are still the most well-known. And she blitzed through all of them. And then the rest of the folks who came in behind behind them as well. So it's a legacy that will be hard it'll probably remain untouched and i think the way she the way she sort of put the you know exclamation mark on it at her press conference saying anyone who wins the belt after me will be fake <laughs> forever that's Brood, ice, savage <laughs> ice cold dude that's i mean completely just neutering the division and making it to to just <laughs> making it so that no matter what happens, you know, she's 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 basically peeing in the yard and saying, "Now nah, this is mine. <laughs> Y'all can can fight over the belt that I vacated, but you'll never be as good as me." And you know, there's some truth to that, but it's kind of extra ice cold because she's the one who set up that scenario. She retired. She didn't fight until she lost the belt. She retired, and so there's no choice but to do a you know a vacant title fight uh but that's just cold man and and another ice cold moment pre-fight the way she was burning juliana pena and saying uh i had to come back 
if I had lost the belt to anyone else, I would have retired, but I didn't want Pena to be champion. <laughs> I mean, that's cruel. But and uh, I mean, I think about that. Look at, okay, people who criticized the loss to Juliana and all that, uh, let's be real. That is one of the most monumental upsets. Juliana was on a one-fight win streak before she beat Amanda. Yeah. There was nothing to say that she had something extra that the other girls did in hindsight. And then Amanda does that to her in the rematch. Oof. She was hitting... She was taking Juliana... Not knocked down. Juliana was getting knocked off of her feet. Like, she left the earth very briefly and then fell down when she got hit by Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Watch the clip. It's right there for your eyes to see it. I'm not exaggerating. And, you know... Yeah, obviously very cold. But then I also feel like that's... You're trying to make sure you can make money after, right? You're not mm -hmm. necessarily trying to disrespect everyone. Although, let's be real, she kind of laid it down and everyone who had a shot at her has to admit, well, I did lose. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, when I look at it, I mean, let's talk about the future because we could probably wax poetically about everything she's done all day. Um, Julia, okay, with Juliana Pena. I feel like we kind of sidestep around this. Let's let's call it down the middle. I will say right now, she is trying to Colby Covington herself into the spotlight. I don't think there's a very high demand the way there wasn't a high demand for Colby before he became, you know, chaos over here. And I think that Juliana is doing the same thing. And um, anytime she is near a camera and microphone she is relentless she doesn't stop talking smack mm -hmm. um even after beating amanda and we have all of this like with the you know well i already beat her the the mom comments more mom real mom whatever you want to <laughs> say about it you know it, it just was like i felt like she was trying to really did tap into that Colby mm -hmm. to another level, the McGregor, Mayweather, Chelsonen, like, let me get enough vitriol that the fans crack open their wallet when I take on this hero. Yeah. The difference is, and people talk about this with Colby Covington, kind of the way they talked about the shift from Aldana to, from Pena to Aldana for this fight. Just because a lot of people don't like you doesn't mean you're a draw. Because there's a... I get yes, it. She she, she gets herself in the spotlight, for sure. She says these things knowing the people are going to comment on them and keep her name relevant. Mm -hmm. She knows what she's doing. People are not stupid. You post something... The algorithm works this way. I post something and more people like it. Guess what? The story does more views even though I'm posting at the same time, same this. Why? Because the computer pushes it to people because they acknowledge, oh, this is funny or this is popular. Let's send it out to more people. When Pena goes out there and says, I'm the reason Amanda's relevant, uh -huh. she knows what she's doing because all the hundred people who go to yell at her, no, you're not. Uh -huh. That makes these tweets and her name and her face reach far many more people she knows what she's doing do i think that translates into i want to pay 80 bucks to watch juliana pena get beat up i'm gonna say no but i do think that that is her mentality that's why we are getting the juliana pena that we have for the last year and a half now if she look they brought her in but she wasn't a 
fighter, so to speak. Like, she wasn't the backup. It was Raquel Pennington. Uh-huh. If you go Raquel versus Juliana, wouldn't hate it. You can do Raquel Holly Holm, who, coming off a win, she's fighting soon. I mean, Holly's beaten Raquel twice, but then now it's like, all right. I mean, Volk beat Max Holloway twice. Look what we got. Yeah. I mean, you you have these fighters out there. I think it the only solution is Raquel Juliana, just because Raquel just beat Ketlin Vieira, who's fighting Panny Kianza coming up. I would have yeah. said Ketlin. For Amanda, the only fighter she didn't fight was Ketlin. And once again, you could argue she didn't need Ketlin, but Ketlin, I thought, was right there. Beat Holly, beat Misha, back-to-back main events, and I'm like, I mean, you beat Holly Holm and Misha Tate back-to-back. That sounds like a title challenger, no? Yeah, yeah. So, Raquel beat Ketlin. Raquel Juliana is the only fresh fight that makes sense. 100%. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it looking at this ranking on UFC, you know, yes, they're ranked one and two, Pena Pennington. So, of course, that makes sense. And I'm looking at it, and Holly Holm is number three, and I don't know how old she is now. She looks great, and she's still fighting fine. But it's it's blowing my mind that she's stuck with it so long. She's actually she actually has a chance, a real chance now with Nunes gone to win that title again. Now, Ketlin Vieira is probably going to be the toughest obstacle in front of her if she you know gets the shot. But that's pretty crazy, man. Like talk about just no quit attitude right there. I mean, I know you love Holly. I, I, you love Holly even though your favorite fight is Misha getting her in five, round five. That's an awesome fight. Look, I, <laughs> I, I, I really like Holly. I respect her a lot. I'm still bitter about Ronda Rousey. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'll never be unbitter about that. <laughs> However, enough. I'm just shocked looking at this as we're talking about it. It's just surprising to me because up until this moment, every time Holly Holm would talk about oh i still want to get the belt i would think well you know good luck that's probably not going to happen <laughs> not so far away now not so far away that's all that's fair that's fair you know so um yeah i mean i don't have anything more about the future of bantamweight someone new will always come up as long as the division is working Keltlin, case in point but um yeah you know i don't know what it is and i i don't know if it's to a smaller degree, the problem they had at featherweight, that there's just fewer girls that size. So it's just kind of like heavyweights. I mean, look at Cyril Gaon had like, what, three fights, four fights before right. he made it to UFC? They're just, the second any women's bantamweight comes up, they're immediately picked up. Why? Because it's like, well, get them now, because there's so few of them to begin with. True. Um, I don't know if that's the case, the way that featherweight and... You know, women's lightweight has one woman, Kayla. <laughs> um, but I, I do acknowledge that outside of Juliana, Raquel, then get Holly in there, Ketlin in there, someone like that. Um, it suddenly becomes a feels like a no man's land. It feels like people just kind of jostle and are very interchangeable after that. Mm-hmm. And you wait for someone to break out, but it hasn't happened in a minute. Case in point, Amanda didn't defend Bantamweight for a year. No one even said anything. <laughs> so you know, look, we we said it. We've yeah, talked we about talked this about before. Time. I don't know. Do I think? I'll say this: Is it in trouble? No. You have a title fight that's obvious coming up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the future looks like after that for too long. 
I think that's something that the UFC will acknowledge. I don't know when, but you don't want a division that feels like the flyweights or whatever feels very irrelevant quickly, you know? And I think that's something they just got to figure out sooner rather than later. Um, Before we talk too much, women's featherweight. I think that she just retired another division too. I think she did. Yeah, I mean, Dana White said as much. And again, I love to say this because it cracks me up. Women's featherweight in the UFC rankings page. Never once existed. Yeah, it's just a picture of Amanda Nunes. You know what I find unfortunate? And he deleted this, but once upon a time when they asked Dana, he said, I'll take the women's bantamweight division and Chris Cyborg. Because they were so few and she was so dominant. Yeah. Now with Amanda, and, and okay, let, let's let's call it like it is. I saw it, you saw it. There was always this tension and they've been public about it. Dana and Chris, right? Mm-hmm. We know this. Um, I do feel at times the featherweight division was there almost as like a courtesy. Yes, promotion-wise it makes sense. You look cool with two belts, more right. than one. But we knew this division was not around. The Okay, outside of Cyborg, name one featherweight Amanda... Okay, I guess Megan Anderson and Felicia. Felicia. That was the wrong Wait, one. But on. the fact is, how many times are these featherweight... Okay, outside of Megan and Felicia, did Megan and Felicia fight another featherweight besides each other? No. No. Who did they fight? Bantamweights who moved up in weight. Yeah. Fighters that anyone will tell you right now, they are natural Bantamweights, not drained sucked out featherweights all right all right and so you know Tanya evinger she was a bantamweight too right yep yeah yeah correct yana <laughs> smith yana, yana kunitskaya yana santos now yes yep i know jermaine where's jermaine durand me what's going on with her? she's pregnant she's having a little oh, one gotcha yeah she's not even on the list of it's been a minute i think she had like injuries before she got pregnant like okay. i i think they wanted her to fight aldana and one of them pulled out so she's had trouble getting okay. back to the cage for a minute um, you know what? Um, look, uh, I mean, featherweight is what it is. There's not that many. PFL is doing good. They obviously have uh, women going on right now. Bellator still has the history of it, but I would argue that maybe PFL with Aspen and Pacheco and them has a little bit more depth outside of, you know, Bellator's. Bellator, I feel like it's Chris, Cat, Leah. Yeah. P- and, and well, I guess now they've added Sarah McMahon, but PFL, at least today with Kayla, Larissa, Julia, you know, and then the up and comers, Aspen and all that, they have a little more flexibility. They're a little more breath of fresh air. But to be clear, there's like maybe 10 featherweights that you would feel are like, oh, you know, contenders and all this stuff. So. Yeah, the division's done. I mean, they should just, you know. And UFC for sure. And UFC, yeah. I, we should put a countdown clock you know how many days does it take weeks months before the ufc you is know, it still IT on the guy, website it's still there so i want to know when are they going to delete it they updated the picture of nunez and so i think imagine it just stays there in perpetuity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's still that on ufc.com oh we'll fix it yeah yeah dana that's still up there oh he's busy yeah next question <laughs> just leave it in perpetuity <laughs> Remember that day when their website was all in Russian? That was hilarious. You know what's crazy? <laughs> you could probably Google it. One time, like, I'm going to just say it. It was like some 
like Nazi <laughs> supremacist group. No, 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 no. Like I know this is strong language, but look it up. It, like the UFC website got hacked. Oh my! And like this landing page ufc.com was like hitler with like stars in his eyes and all that and it was oh yeah i mean it got fixed like same day but like i remember thinking like what the is this you know um yeah yeah yeah, stuff happens on the internet it's all (laughs) zeros and ones if you know if you're smart enough um Let's talk about uh, the co-main event. Uh, when will we get a new Bantamweight champion at, for the women? We'll find out another day. Yeah. Um, uh, Charles Oliveira. Man, that was impressive. I, I, and I think more impressive, kind of like Michael Chandler on Tony Ferguson, how good Benil looked early. Didn't look out of sorts. Didn't look outmatched. I thought he was... Look, Charles Oliveira is a tough opponent. And Benil... Look, wasn't giving him the business early, but he was doing making smart moves to shut down a guy with the attributes and weapons of Charles. Gets him down, doesn't look, you know, stressed or nervous being on the mat with the all-time submission leader. And uh, look, uh, going into round two, it's like, uh-oh, or sorry, not going into round two, but going down that stretch of that round, hey, Charles Oliveira might be in trouble, but Neil looks like he's ready to throw down the gauntlet to Islam Mahachev. And then the combo... I think people make more of the kick. The kick was blocked, but then in slow-mo, you see Charles kind of... He kind of catches that draw, the jaw a little bit. Like, just... You could tell the knuckle on the tip of the jaw. And just, like, boom. Takes Benil off balance. Swing in. Bang. Hits, like, the top of the head. And, you know, suddenly Benil, like... I think it's more the shock of everything in that exchange. Off balance. Charles follows him down. Uh, grounds and pounds to take him out. Um, I mean, I'm going to go off about where Charles is in a minute at Lightweight because it's awesome. But what were your thoughts on the fight? You know, I was rooting for Benil Darius, so a little bit disappointed to see it end that fast, you know, in one round and, and that sort of decisively. But... Very impressed with Charles Oliveira. It takes me back to that time when, you know, he was not expected to defeat all the fighters, the top big names in lightweight that he did, and he just started knocking them down. He's very committed and focused on getting the belt back. He's still, you know, the name, the, the champion has a name. His name is Charles Oliveira. And he's, look, you know, what I was thinking watching the embedded is how he kept saying, I'm happy. The key is that I'm happy and I'm focused. And I thought, oh boy, this seems like a dangerous Charles Oliveira who's going to have fun by beating somebody else up. And he he did, man. He took care of business. I was very impressed. And I feel for Benil, you know, the especially because he brings his whole family with him. They're all there, the newborn, the little girl. And it's like, ah, it's tough, man. It's a tough, that's a tough way to lose. He didn't really put up a whole bunch of a fight at least if it had gone two, three rounds, we would have seen more, but Oliveira is just, he's so slick and powerful. And just when you think, like you said, you know, Benil has a moment. It's like, he, it's like Charles Oliveira can feel the energy shifting away, can feel that he's being momentarily underdogged and he just comes up and boom, he does it every time. And he did it again here. So the guy is, the guy is scary. He's a scary dude. 
I mean, uh, it's just one of those uh, performances. Um, uh, it hurt me for Benil. I saw people tweeting and they're like, we got to have a talk. This guy wasn't actually that good. And I'm like, oh, come on. And all this and that. How was Benil such a favorite? You know why. I mean, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. Had he kept going, not gotten caught, maybe we're having a different convo. Um, but man, the internet was just rough on Benil. And it hurt me for that because we talk about it like Leon Edwards, like Jacare. You go on these long win streaks and it's like, if it culminates in a title shot, it's such a triumph, right? Look how long he had to stay at it. Look how much he had to do to earn it compared to the guys that got expedited. And then you look at, you know, Jacare never got back to that level, not, never got the title fight after all that work he put in. You know, same thing you worry about for a guy like Bilal. And then you see that happen to Benil, who could still get there, but... For sure, tonight was a tough pill to swallow. And we acknowledge it. Lightweight is so competitive. So competitive. Yeah, especially that top five. I mean, they're so interchangeable. Elite guys, Islam, Charles, Dustin, Justin. Throw Volkanovski in there just because right now. Because, dang. Um, But when you talk about Charles Oliveira, and we discuss this, his resume, what he did to Tony Ferguson... And I always go back to this. You talk about Habib as the lightweight goat. Choked out Poirier faster than Habib did. Choked out Justin faster than Habib did. Um, Stopped Michael Chandler. Uh, You know, now beats Benil in the first round. I mean, this guy is... I I, I get it. It, The Islam fight was one-sided. This guy still, you make an argument, 1B... In the lightweight division. Not number two. But he is that freaking good when he's on. And his win streak leading up to this. I mean we, we rant about Jim Miller. Charles Oliveira took out Jim Miller. In his win streak. Yeah, It's just really amazing. How good that guy is. Um, I, It's kind of like. How much do you weigh that victory. For like. I'll say this. Had Islam. Not fought Volkanovski. I would almost make the argument that Charles is still a better lightweight. Just because it's like the resume is just so ridiculous. Now, Islam, I'm not going to lie. When you look at how good Volk looked at 155, that's not a little feather in his cap. He deserves all the credit for the way he beat Charles and the way he beat Volkanovski. Yeah. But man, to act like Charles Oliveira isn't that dude also. He is so good and... um. I mean, I could talk about it all day, but let's now throw the bucket of cold water. <laughs> or what is the level of interest for a rematch with Mahachev? Same place, same time, a year later. And I'll I'll le- let you take the jumping off point. Yeah, I'm extremely interested. I'd rather see a rematch with Mahachev than see the winner of BMF with Mahachev. Uh, because... Charles Oliver is a way more exciting fighter to me right now than Dustin or Justin. And, you know, Charles Oliveira is such the kind of person that will focus his entire energy on getting one back, getting that loss back, that I really do think he could do it against Mahachev. And then we have a trilogy, and that's awesome. So 100%, that's what I want to see. But, you know. Well, if the BMF turns out to be a freaking crazy barn burner, then who knows? 
Yeah, I, I feel like when I look at the BMF fight, if they deliver the way we think they're going to deliver, I can understand from business for Mahachev. It's like, uh, yeah, Charles is really good, but I beat him already. Mm-hmm. I dominated. I did what I had to do. Yeah. You yeah. know, why am I going... This is a high-risk, low-reward fight because if you beat Charles again, well, yeah, it's kind of tough to top how you did it the first time, right? And so while... Charles is still so good. It's not a little thing to beat him. I understand that there is a level of this now for Mahachev on the business side. Now, look, uh, the hype off of Dustin or Justin after the BMF stuff, you expect to be high. The card is fantastic. It's going to probably be one of the more watched events of the year, particularly whether or not we get Conor McGregor after all. What are they waiting for as we get into week three of Ultimate Fighter? I don't know, Natalie, but you know what I'm worried about? Uh-oh. Gonna get to the end of episode 10, and, and during the end credits with that voiceover guy, he's gonna say, McGregor, Chandler, December 12th. And I'm like, we have to wait all that just for them to, you know. I'm glad they don't tease it every week. What day is the fight? Tune in next week on the, <laughs> you know. But my point is that, like, right now, the BMF fight is expected to be one of the more uh successful pay-per-views for UFC man i i just feel like the demand is objectively the fight should be awesome i don't know if like when i think about it as a fan i want to see it as much as something fre- fresh for islam but then i'd acknowledge there's nowhere really to go for charles now so what are we going to do yeah i don't I'm, know i'm going to pitch this one to you okay Islam fights the BMF winner. Charles versus... Well, you know what? I just... As I'm talking. If Connor beats Chandler, Charles versus Connor. Title shot on the line. If Connor beats Chandler, Charles versus... Oh, yeah. That's... That's, that, that, that's the only way I feel like you can make those pieces fit. But then it's June. It's June. Connor said December. Six months? <laughs> How long before he fights? Con- uh, I just, I don't know. Connor hasn't fought in a while. It's kind of like, what are you doing? Like, we get it, you know. Irish Apple, it's out there. What more promotion do you need to do? <laughs> you know, it, th- that's just how I feel. Oh, yeah. Th- that's how I see it playing out. They'll find someone for Charles, but I don't know. I, he's in a tough spot. I'll just say it like that, business wise. And that's that's it. He is in a tough spot. It's uh, it's again. It's just that division. It, that division is always like that. It's been like that for the last five years. I feel like where it's just so stacked from five up, and that if one person has a good performance, and but you're still waiting for this other fight to to play out, then a lot of people are just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's just such a think about it. like when you look at the Justin who beat Fiziev and the way Islam took Volk. It's like. These guys are so interchangeable on how good they could be any given night and take out the other. It's just ridiculous, and it just makes it so much fun, you know? So Yeah. But we'll see. Um, let's talk about the undercard. Uh, Mike Malo, I mean... Uh, one, I didn't like the low blows as they got going, but they weren't the story <laughs> at the end of it. That was just a beautiful sequence, just pieced up the guard... Through the guard, gets the guillotine, 
Um, clean sweep for Canada, and he put the exclamation point on it. That was just that was just awesome. Um, I liked it. What what you think of that finish? Yeah, that was impressive. You know that body kick that hurt. Yeah, there were some uh, some low kicks. Even I feel like right before that combo, there was a kick that looked a little low, but nobody said anything about it. Yeah. Um, great moment for Mike. So you say Malo, I heard Malats. I don't know what's correct, but it looks like a French word. I would you know say Malo also, but um, for that young Canadian fighter. Uh, hey, yeah, like Marshall moment. Mathers, so just call him Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> great moment for him. It seems like he might be the face of Canadian MMA, you know, as they try to rebuild. Um, but yeah, very impressive. Uh, it seemed like he was making a lot of noise, you know, good noise on the lead up, the fight week. So, you know, good looking guy. He's in good shape. I'm interested to see what happens next. And then uh, before he even gets out there, the barricade. Guys, you guys. don't see that every day. What, do, what did a, you think of that? I mean, it was a slow collapse. And so I'm grateful for that. There was a woman who was right next to it. She managed to get out of the way. Mostly in time, she fell. Uh, I guess Mike was ahead of it enough or they pushed him. I couldn't really tell in the footage, but yeah, he missed it. That was scary, dude. That's like everyone is so lucky that it was a slow collapse from not very high up. But those are those kinds of things that when you're in a big arena, when you're in a big place, I don't know if you ever do this, you're having fun and then you look around and you think, oh man, if something, if there were to be an earthquake or... Something pops off. <laughs> yeah, if something, you know, a screw gets loose, like we're in trouble. <laughs> you know, you put a lot of faith in the people that maintain these big locations, these big venues. Uh, somebody didn't tighten their screw over there and uh, we're lucky, we're lucky, but it was kind of scary. You know, so it's, uh, I mean, I think about it, it's like, like you said, imagine if they were higher up, suddenly this isn't a, oh, phew, like we laugh it off. This could be horrific, right? Yeah. Man, I mean, I gotta say, I wonder how hyped people are going to be the next event to reach out from the over the barricade. Yeah. I want to know if this has an effect on people. You know, you talk about that. I will never forget the earthquake while Rashad Evans was giving his Hall of Fame speech. Oh, God. Like, you, they had these long banners with their faces and all that. And you just see them start to move. And everything starts swaying. And you just feel it in your feet. And then you th- feel like, like, are my feet falling asleep? And then it's like, wait. And then you're in your seat. You feel it, you know through the booty up to your body it's like (laughs) and then it's like wait what's happening and then you realize like you know how much it has to be shaking to move the building like this yeah and then it's like is something false now like uh, you could tell everybody's like are we good what if we're not good and then it's like oh and then Rashad Evans he's just talking then he's like what is there an earthquake (laughs) and then he just keeps thanking Trevor Whitman and all this (laughs) Bro, imagine Rashad's talking and just something falls off the ceiling. Like, come on. Um, yeah, I, th- those big venues, there's something in everything. I watched, like, the documentary, like, when the San Francisco earthquake hit the World Series. Yes, yeah. And San Francisco, you know, the stadium was full, and I'm like, holy sh... You know, Dude, yeah. that's frightening. It's totally yeah. frightening, and uh, you're probably too young to remember this, but there was a made-for-TV movie about that earthquake. 
and it scared the bejesus out of me because they focused a lot on that double decker freeway that collapsed oh, oh yeah i feel like i saw something Oof. about that yeah it's, terrible yeah i mean it looked like i said but um everyone was fine thankfully but it's like yeah i, I hope the ufc on the next one they have a word with their venue and be like i, I, I want to see more screws please thank yep, you exactly you know like we're sure we're good okay let's have fun um chris curtis nasruddin imovov i mean last one to really break down my heart you know he he had a point about everything with the headbutt with gastelum yeah and then what was it the jared gordon thing happened and then it's like well you know like why did he get this but i didn't and then another headbutt and he gets a no contest and i'm like you know ufc can pay you but i don't think it's out of the question that sometimes you just get your show money so you only get half anyway and it's like bruh like you made the quick turnaround you did the camps and it, that happens i was just like oh and and then also the way it played out like that time versus less time and how long on the foul and Look, the cut was in the spot that it wouldn't have mattered, but still, I mean, it was just so crazy. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it it was hard to watch. You could see how devastated he was, and he was, you know, the hardest part was him watching, his, him begging Herzog, Jason Herzog, like, give him more time. And he benevolently does give him a little more time, but as soon as he hears him repeat that he cannot see, he calls it. it it's It's tough, man, but... If you like, I don't, the eyes make me the most nervous and those fighters that push through and just, you know, I remember DC, I think in the last Stipe fight after it was all over, he's like, yeah, I can't see in my eye, the the eye poke one. And I mean, I wouldn't be able to focus, to concentrate, to keep fighting if I completely lost vision in an eye. Uh, So, you know, I give him a lot of props for being tough and wanting to just wait it out a little bit longer, but that's a tough way to to lose a, a fight. He was already losing it, but it's even worse in that regard because you're just thinking, you know, a little more time, I could have turned it around, and it's it's a tough way to go. Yeah, it's just so difficult, and the way it all played out was tough, but, um, look, he seems to be doing well, and I'm sure he'll be back, so I'm looking forward to that also, but yeah, just, um, one of those nights, like I said, uh, Mike kind of just put the exclamation point for Canada so I'm glad that the guys got to represent I always think that's very refreshing I think it adds to the you know live viewing experience whether you're there or on TV and it's like bro the Canadians are on a roll tonight they're representing now that it's back so I always think it's good and I thought it was a lot of fun to see um very interesting weekend in martial arts uh (laughs) I mean, what, uh, I believe it was on Friday night, right? Yeah, Conor McGregor, and he's in that really awesome red tracksuit, and he looks cool, he's enjoying the rich people life, courtside NBA finals in a nice warm place like Miami, Um, and yeah, so they put it on, I found it hilarious, he was on everything, ESPN, SportsCenter, ESPN, MMA, you know, they bring him out for the clip, uh, they put poor Bernie, the Miami Heat mascot. He's got his boxing gloves on. He's thinking <laughs> like Habib, Conor McGregor's whack. He ain't going to be able to do nothing. And, you know, Conor, I'm, quote unquote, imagine my fingers, cracks Bernie. 
And then this is where I think the controversy happens. He adds that follow-up shot. Yeah, yeah. And so by now you've seen it. Apparently Bernie had to be taken to the hospital. He is home and fine. And the performer inside the suit just had to get some pain medicine. But my impression is that at some point something... The, the, the choreography was messed up. So first off, what's your reaction before I get into it? You know, it was funny. In this, so I heard about it. Like I saw the headlines before I watched the video. So I was like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It must have been some weird uh, little mis- mishap. But when you see it and you're familiar with Conor McGregor the way we are, he kind of put his all into that punch. <laughs> that wasn't pitter-patter. You know, like <laughs> he gave the full swing. And he gave the full swing again for the ground shot. And I'm like, why did he do that? Like, I, I guess in his mind, he probably thought there's a tiny head inside this big, you know, face cover. You know, I'm not actually hitting the face of the person in there, but physics, you know, reverberation, like the force made its way to the man, little head inside. And uh, it couldn't have felt, <laughs> it couldn't have felt good. Um I don't know what Conor McGregor was thinking. There must have been, yeah, you say the choreography, something lost in translation, you know. It was somebody's job to tell him, don't hit hard, just fake it. And he didn't get that memo. And, uh, you know, also he could have been, should have been smarter and and seen (laughs) that it could have been an issue. But um, do you think uh, Conor McGregor's lawyer is calling him saying, uh, should we just pay this guy real fast before he tries to sue us? (laughs) I think Conor McGregor's lawyer is glad Conor has a lot of money because that's a lot of unnecessary headaches for that man. Yeah. Um, or woman. I, I don't want to discriminate. But, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I just think of that because one of my friends is a lawyer. But um, okay, so here's my whole thing about it. In response to your question, I'm sure I, I think there's a lot of risks involved as a... Um, mascot so i think that gives connor just a, just enough to squeeze out of this one so we we don't have the information we need was connor told all right you're gonna pop him once then pop him again was the second pop unnecessary mind you did he just maybe caught the mascot and the wrong one and so he felt bad like like had a bad fall i mean like maybe he felt too much he was off balance when connor did it and then you know, look, uh, it's not as easy to move in those suits as the mascots make it look, right? That's probably my biggest thing. Um, my understanding yeah. in those mascot suits, um, having worked with the sports team in the past, is that when you have, the, in terms of the big head, your eyes are not looking through the character's eyes. Your eyes are, ac- your face more or less is looking through the mouth of those giant mascots. And that's also where there's a little less uh, padding and protection. Why? Because, you know, you see that black mesh. Why? Because you need air to get through to the performer inside. If you look at the video, Connor doesn't really hit the forehead, although that would still hurt. He kind of aims a little more for the mouth, which if Connor may not be aware of this, he may think, all right, I popped him in like where there's padding or, you know, instead... He actually pops the guy pretty close to where his face is and where there's probably the least amount of protection in the suit. And so, once again, 
Do we know what he was told? Was the mascot informed? Was Connor informed? Did they just put this together and wing it? Because maybe they did or maybe they didn't know Connor was going to be there. But when I saw it, I'm just like... Uh, you know, I, I see this and I'm like, so everybody getting the smoke but Michael Chandler, apparently. Because the NBA fans who don't watch this, oh, well, uh, Conor McGregor in a fight. Meanwhile, every week or so, we're like, is there an update on Conor versus Chandler? Is there an update on Conor versus Chandler? Is there an... You know, it's like... Of course, everyone is like, oh, is there a fight? It's like, well, Connor fighting everybody except the guy we wanted to see him fight. So exactly. that's how I felt about it. We don't have the information, I'm sure. I think there's a reason why we haven't gotten it yet. Because you got to think someone somewhere would have said, yeah, there was a miscommunication. So I think they're trying to, I think there was a lot of, there's got to be some finger pointing and all that backstage. Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, yeah, you're right. The mouth hole is the eye hole and so <laughs> on a mascot costume. So, yeah, he basically just popped him right in the face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and once again, I mean, those guys go through a lot. I mean, at least the guy who got knocked out, the, the Denver uh, mascot a few years ago got knocked out by Joanna. Did or, he sorry, really? Not like real life, like for the act. Oh, okay. Joanna didn't add the follow-up shot. I remember the clip. The Yana was nice to her mascot. She put him down and then gave him a kiss afterward. It was oh, all cute yeah. and all that. Freaking Connor though with the kill shot, like he's Dan Henderson. No, just I kidding. know, man. He's like, he puts. Sometimes he puts too much energy into these these things. It's like you know he thinks he's Roman Reigns pro wrestling right so now. He was in trying WWE. to sell his like his like Bengay product or what was it? Is that? I've heard, I saw that and I feel like I've seen zero about whatever drink or supplement or product he had. Okay. Honestly. I thought he was just there enjoying the rich people life. And they decided, oh, let's have some fun. The heat are getting blown out. <laughs> you know? That's Yeah, I don't know. Because in the video, it's like he's spraying them or I don't know. There's like a reference to something. So I, I don't know, but... um that's that's not gonna help the poor man that just got, that just yeah. got knocked out they send him a lot of product yeah <laughs> oh that's funny oh man i mean so bellator is this friday pfl and bellator this friday so pfl the heavyweights and then the women's featherweights more importantly the pfl champion anti delia so look we're still more than probably a year away from Nganu, but that's probably going to be the main topic of discussion. And then obviously Larissa Pacheco and everybody doing their thing. So it's not like that's insignificant people for PFL. They do have some talent that's going to be relevant in the back half of the year competing. But this is still regular season. You got to, like we just saw, did you see the PFL upset for Brendan Lofnane? No, I did not. So he, so you remember he chopped up Marlon Moraes. Yeah. He oh, got yeah. knocked out in the first round and he just needed a win to move on. Because he lost and the other guy got six points, Brendan is knocked out of the tournament as wow. defending champion. Yeah. Oh my goodness. By a dude that, let's be real, I don't think people even knew who he was and probably wouldn't have known who he was following the, the fight if he'd lost. So it was like, okay, so... 
anything can happen. And even Larissa Pacheco does need a hold serve to stay in the tournament if everyone starts popping off and getting first round finishes. Um, Aspen Ladd, I think, needs a first round finish. Uh, a couple of them do. So it's going to be very interesting. But the fact is, all right, PFL's got some big names on the on a roll for this Friday. And then Bellator with another stacked event in Chicago. Uh, doubleheader, Vadim Nemkov, Yol Romero, Sergio Pettis against Patricio Pitbull. Um, Natalie, I think my biggest like all-encompassing thought about it is that they hyped up like, I, I go back to it. One of the best ones they did, Stotts versus Sabatello. And I was like, you put those guys everywhere. They're doing the face-to-face interview with Chael. Or not Chael, uh, Ariel. And it's like, okay, this is good. I feel like these fights are more or less two of their... Th- these are some really relevant names that draw casual fans. And maybe the more hardcores know this is a good n- doubleheader. Yeah. I feel like they kind of fell asleep on the promotion. Like, they did. I, like, I just am not, I, I don't know if it was just, uh, I know, like, for example, Cage Side Press and all that, um, with scheduling, they do try to make guys available, but I just felt like, I don't know what's missing, but we did not get the heat on this. And I feel like, I feel like a, a step was missed at some point trying to get these guys, like, on Zoom, at least going head to head. You know what I mean? What about you? I agree. I agree. It's like it almost feels like senioritis over there, and everyone's just like in on autopilot and and just not putting in. It feels like there's just a lack of effort, and you know, like you said, these are the bigger names in the promotion. Let's make it a big deal. You know, the. The threat of like t- I don't remember what day Tough airs, but the threat of Tough on ESPN like that kind of fizzled out, right? I know we didn't talk about it specifically the ratings, but it's been out there that it's not doing great considering it's Conor McGregor. And so like there's room, like you know the landscape is not being gobbled up by Conor's slow return. There's we have memory, we have you know like there's there's data left here for us to use for Bellator and they're not taking advantage of that. And it gets a little frustrating um, because it's, it's just totally flying by under the radar. Very strange. It's strange, right? Like, I don't understand. Uh, Once again, I think it's a lot of little things. Um, We've talked about like, you know, general promotion week to week. I do feel like there are times when, especially with the guys in different time zones, I mean, Vadim in Russia, Pitbull in Brazil, um, these guys don't come to the U.S. to train necessarily. So getting everyone on the same timetable when they're busy with camp and all that, I get it. It's not necessarily a simple thing to do. And you want them to perform on fight night, not necessarily in a presser on their computer. But then again, we do still have this going on, right? So it's like, I think that's one thing about it in terms of the metrics. And when you talk about Bellator, good year, bad year, and what PFL is doing, I think nights like this are perfect examples why they kind of are struggling a little bit because it just feels like there's something missing off of it. And I know they do interviews like the MMA junkie and MMA fighting, but I don't know if it's just the fact that we're coming off a pay-per-view and there's a little bit of fatigue but there is 
in my opinion, just something there's a disconnect where they're just not able to land that spot where they get the fans to realize, oh, I should probably watch this on Friday night because it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, like I said, objectively a good set of fights. They always go big for Chicago. I like that. Um, I definitely want to go to one sometime, but yeah, it's a good night of fights on Friday. And then obviously Saturday, UFC with the big middleweight fight, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier. maybe title shot on the line is not what I would say, but let's be real. This is a very big fight to prove you are still a top five guy. I think you could make an argument a top three guy at middleweight even, um, especially with the departure of Alex Pereira. What are your thoughts on this one? You know, I sort of was underwhelmed by it when we set it up last week, and I kind of feel the same. These are two fighters who have had great moments in the cage and can, can bring it, but they don't always bring it. And so it's not a guarantee that you're going to get something totally exciting. So it's a solid matchup. These are, you know, like good enough names for a main event spot. I'm just not like, like the bandwidth in my brain is like, you know, <laughs> it's not making a whole lot of room for this, for this fight. So, uh, you know, just looking at it, they both have, you know, finishing moments. I think Jared Cannonier is more likely to do something with a, a bomb. So I'm going to go ahead and pick him TKO round two, but there's not a lot of meat behind my pick. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it back to you. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, the physicality of Jared, right? I think that that's a big threat. To be honest, I, I really like the style of uh, Marvin Vittori. I think that he showed that against Delitzi, like he's still a dangerous guy. And I think what makes Marvin such a threat is he's like, he's like an Italian ox, right? Yeah, yeah. But then he's still got that, um, what's it called? He's got a great wrestling base. I think he's very underrated as a grappler. I think, you know, he out grappled Jack Hermanson, who's no joke on the ground. And so you put that together, I think that that kind of game actually gives problems to a guy like Jared, you know. Is he as quick on the feet and moves like a Adesanya or a Whitaker? No. Um, but I do think the threat of his ground game is what opens up his striking and his physicality. And I think you've seen that in fights like with Costa and um, Roman. So I, I, I think that it do, he puts it all together in a way that I think... Jared's main weapons, a lot of his game tends to be opened up because you're trying to deal with this very powerful athlete who's really good with his shot selection. And I think that one of the biggest weapons to that is obviously countering with leg kicks, hamper the mobility, and the grappling that makes you a little less hesitant to open up with all these moves and put it on you and pressure you. So I do think that Marvin with the grappling has a bit of an edge over Jared Cannonier. So that's who I'm going with by unanimous decision. Okay. Yeah. Slow five round fight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, that's just where I'm at, you know, and I, I think that's going to be how it all plays out at the end of this one. All right. Yep. Anyway. Um, and can you believe it? The show keeps on rolling more PFL next week. Uh, UFC goes to Jacksonville for uh, 
Josh Emmett, Ilya Tapuria. I almost That's said like one. Ilya Emmett. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, and it's good. Guys, I'll also be on location in uh, Atlanta this week for PFL. So follow me for the whole adventure and media day and fight night and all of that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week.